Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for being here today. My guests on the show today are Brian and Brian from Alabaster Co. Now, during this episode, we dive deep into one specific project that they are the creators behind, and it's the Bible. Now, let me just clarify that. They didn't create the Bible. Of course, they didn't create the Bible. But they made the Bible beautiful. So they took all the different books of the Bible, and they are on a journey to create a visual representation along with the text of them in this beautiful format that they've created. It's image heavy. It's kind of like a kinfolk magazine. It's very high end. It's very clean. And honestly, these books are beautiful. So they're making the Bible beautiful, taking it away from exactly what you imagine when I say the Bible. You can picture it, the book. It ain't pretty. It's really thin paper. Yeah, the words are there, but there it leaves a little bit of something to be desired. And that's where Alabaster Co. has picked it up. The words are good, but they've made it beautiful. So during this episode, we dive deep into the production, the idea, the, the creation of those books and the mission that they are on. So they're taking the Bible out of the bedroom in the nightstand or tucked away on a bookshelf, and they are creating something that you want to leave on your coffee table. You want everybody to see this thing when they come in your house. And that was their mission behind doing this, or one of their missions behind doing this. So these gentlemen do an incredible job of explaining exactly what this piece is and all of the thought and the design and the oops errors that went into creating these books. And I can't wait for you to hear them share that message with you. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guests, Brian and Brian from Alabaster Co. And let's cue the music. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Brian and Brian, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Hey, that, you know what? That was timed so well. You'll Glad see it. that. Yeah. You'll see that often. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you guys are connected. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm not sure which one of you wants to kick this one off, um, but I'd like to just have you guys introduce yourselves, introduce Alabaster to the audience here. So just tell us about yourselves. Yeah, so uh, we are Brian and Brian, or the Bryans. Um, we met in college uh, down in, here in LA at the University of Southern California. Um, we became friends. Uh, Brian was a mentor in college for a Christian nonprofit that we were both a part of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Alabaster really began uh, in college. So, like, uh, we. Uh, we're just really interested in doing something, uh, mixing art and faith, and um, really felt like uh, the 
the Bible was a great place to start. So like, uh, basically for those of you who don't know, Alabaster is, we basically, um, make the Bible look like a art book or a coffee table book or like an indie magazine that, uh, you see, um, we were really interested in, uh, you know, the biblical text is a very ancient, uh, you know, a lot of historic history there. And we were just really interested in, um, seeing how uh, putting it in this really nice print format and, uh, you know, integrating good design and art would change the way that someone would experience a very uh, historical text like this. Um, so, yeah. A little bit about myself. Um, this is Brian with an I. I'm originally from Hawaii. Um, nice. I, yes, I went to a college in California and something that folks might not know about me is I didn't grow up Christian. I grew up in a Buddhist household. Mm. I came into college spiritual, not really believing anything. And uh, later on became a Christian in college. And I remember getting my first Bible. I was super excited, but little intimidated. It was this black, dark purple, leather bound Bible. Mm -hmm. The first couple pages were things to fill out. It was about the translation. The text was really small and condensed in different columns. Some words were in black, other words were in red. Didn't know what that meant at the time. And on top of that, it was on really thin paper. Remember that onion skin when you were a kid? When you yeah. lay, lay it down over something and you could trace right through it? Yes, yes. So um, it was just unlike any other book that I had gotten. Um, so I was excited to read it, but intimidated. Um, sitting next to me was my college uh, marketing textbook. And it was designed like a magazine. And for the first time in college, I felt like really, really excited to read my college textbook. Um, and I just thought to myself, could the Bible be de designed differently? Didn't do really anything about it until, yeah. gosh, a couple years later, graduated college, worked at this Christian nonprofit. That's where I met Brian, worked there for about six years. And it was towards the tail end where Brian and I were having this conversation about art and faith. Mm -hmm. Brian loved indie magazines like Kinfolk or Serial. Um, and so when I mentioned my story, um, I was like, let's, let's do the Bible like that. Let's make the Bible into a magazine or an art book. And Brian's eyes lit up and um, we decided to go for it. And we launched Kickstarter to start, to start yeah. this idea. Okay, Brian, that question, can the bot, can you redesign the Bible? Like, holy cow like that is a that's a heavy heavy question man yeah yeah i mean um i think there was a lot of nervousness about like what does it look like to mm -hmm. take this not just ancient text but a text that has meant so much to a lot of people um in terms of their faith their spiritual life um something that sometimes is carried on from generation to generation or this a, a book can be carried on from generation to generation. Yeah. Um, and so it was really important for us to have just a lot of integrity with it. Like we really hope that um, our images that are next to the text really help deepen people's experience with God. Mm -hmm. um, we do an in-depth study of it. Um, um, but Brian can share a little bit more about this, but I think what we are doing isn't necessarily quote unquote new, but actually an ancient practice, but just in a modern day format. Totally. And I want to, I want to dive a lot deeper into that project all the way from 
paper selection, quantities, like how, like hear a little bit more about the Kickstarter stuff. But before we get there and do that deep dive, I want to hear a little bit more about each of you and your experiences with print coming into this bigger project, this big format thing that you tackled. So um, Brian with a Y, we'll start with you. What is your earliest memory of print or packaging? Maybe something from your childhood or your teens? <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. Um, so my dad worked at Mattel, which was a toy company. Oh, rad. So I grew up with a lot of like random prototype toys. So like uh, <laughs> a lot of Hot Wheels, um, you know, Barbie, Yu-Gi-Oh. Those yeah. were some of the toys that came out of Mattel. So, and my dad is actually does a lot of packaging design. So uh, yeah, I grew up around packaging, um, grew up around kind of, you know, toy packaging mostly. Uh, always was fascinated by how those things came together. Yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of like childhood books that I that I read. <laughs> so, no, I mean you were surrounded by packaging. I was like, surrounded by packaging, packaging mostly, though. And, that is like yeah. happy days, man. That's like so many people who would love to have that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Brian with an eye. What about you, my friend? You know what? I was one of those kids that uh, that didn't really get much toys growing up. <laughs> so, Ooh, is this uh, a I tough think, subject between you two? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the first thing that I remember like really buying for myself was just a pack of Pokemon cards. Nice. And so it was just this really cool, shiny pack of things. And uh, it was a fun experience for me. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so one toy packaging and one the Pokemon cards. That's like the iconic, <laughs> the iconic print interaction for, for most kids like in that age range, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what about recently? Have either of you guys had a recent interaction with print or packaging or something like that that you were really surprised by or really enjoyed or felt was really well done? I can go first. I, I mean, well, I think that both of us love packaging now yeah. and the experience of it. And so sometimes we like just, you know, the other uh, day we had uh, one of our employees get a new uh, laptop from Apple. And, uh, you know, my, one of my first things was, how was the unboxing experience? <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. Like, do it in front of me right now. <laughs> um, uh, more recently, I got an away suitcase, and um, just the packaging is beautiful and amazing. It's just super thoughtful in terms of like when you open it, what is the messaging that is there? Um, mm -hmm. The suitcase comes in a little bag, not a little bag, a big bag, and so that's just unexpected the inserts inside tell a story. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I pay attention to those things. I love packaging and how products um, are right now. Mm -hmm. Brian, yeah. Any suitcases in your lifetime here? Oh, I mean, I have an away suitcase too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I agree. Packaging, I think, obviously we love books. And so, yeah, basically once we got into book production and bookmaking like every book that i i uh, pick up i carefully inspect um i smell it i smell a lot of i was literally books. just about to ask you that i was just about to yeah. say, you smell it 
Yeah, smell my books. Um, I'm, you know, right now I am very curious about like what paper people choose to use in their books. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think uh, there's a couple books that I'm looking at right now that have like a mixture of uncoated and like glossy paper, which I think is interesting. Yep. Um, there's some of these indie magazines that uh, get away with like using more of like a newspaper material in there uh for their paper choice i'm interested in that as well like why why would they why would you make that choice i mean it is it's like a very um kind of uh you know old feeling paper but it's kind of nice in that way and so i'm interested in that as well yeah definitely and the way that i look at whether it's a magazine or a book or packaging or something that i receive or see out in the retail environment is I take that moment and I pick it up and I'm feeling it and I'm looking at the brand and I'm trying to decide like, do these things align? Mm-hmm. Did they think through this material that this package, this book was made out of mm-hmm. so that it aligns with the brand experience and is instilling in me subconsciously the right values or the values that that brand wants to portray. Yeah. Right. And so that's, I look at it very differently, you know, and some of that includes the smell. Like that is part smell of is key. Right, <laughs> I a story about smell. It's <laughs> part of that interaction. It's part of that experience, right? Yeah. It's all of the senses and how can you use more of them and, you know, don't, don't neglect the smell. That's what yeah. we're getting at here. We, we, um, I mean, the printer that we ended up going with is a printer in Canada called Hemlock Printers. And yeah. we went with them um, because, you know, partially because of the smell. And then, like, this funny story like three books in, the smell started to change. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so at first I thought it was like, oh, maybe it's just this print run for some reason. Um, but eventually I emailed our, our, uh, our person there and they said, he like explained this like gassing thing that they do that I wasn't f- fully sure. He was like, we can achieve the smell again. And sure enough, he like did this process and now the books smell great again. We'll bring <laughs> the books smell great again. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's all about the off gassing. Yes, the off-gassing, that's what it is. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, guys, what was your first print project that you were ever a part of? The first one. Maybe it was back in design school. Maybe it was something more recently. But what was the first print project that you were a part of? Alabaster was the first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we not, uh, I didn't... Uh, I studied film in college, so I, I didn't really touch print. I mean, mm-hmm. it was all on the computer. It was all on the screen. Yep. Um, so really when we launched the Kickstarter, like we literally had no idea what we were doing. Like, yeah. so for the Kickstarter, I mean, we just went to like a local, um, local print shop and pr- literally printed a blank book with like just 12 spreads that were complete mm-hmm. and a cover. And that was what we used to launch the Kickstarter. So we had no idea that we were going to go with Hemlock printers. Uh, You know, we didn't even have the project done. Um, And so a lot of what we learned about print uh, came as we began to build Alabaster. So yeah, no other project before that. That's beautiful. So this is fresh for you, Brian, with a Y. Yes, very fresh. 
Brian with an I, same story? Yeah, same story. I right. mean, um, <laughs> zero experience in prints or packaging, mm-hmm. learning it on the spot. Brian, the other Brian is more of the expert in this. Um, and so I've learned from him. He's just learned. He's just told me how these things happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I want to now dive deep into this project from paper selection, how you arrived at that. Um, I want to know a little bit more about the Kickstarter campaign. Like what, what are these things cost to print? How many do you produce? Like, like as much detail as, as you're willing to share as we can get into um, starting right at the beginning, like you're, you're newer to print. How did you decide what paper to print this on, how to bind this book? Like, how did you come to all that? Brian with an eye. Um, well, I, I would say uh, when we first launched the Kickstarter, we, again, had literally no idea what we were doing. Uh, we didn't even have a printer mm-hmm. set yet. Um, uh, why we launched the Kickstarter was because we knew that in order to do a print run, we just had a minimum order quantity and we needed just a certain amount of, of cash to, yeah. to make that happen. Uh, but besides that, nothing else. And so um, I'll let Brian take it over from there because uh, he was the one that helped pick through the paper, the binding, like all that stuff. Yeah. So once the Kickstarter was funded, we, again, we didn't have a printer yet. And so we were looking all over to um, try to find a printer that would work for us. And so we were actually looking overseas. Uh, We were looking in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what ended up happening was I ordered a bunch of books from like a bunch of different publishers that we respected. Uh, Again, Brian's mentioned some of these indie magazines that we like. And one of those was Kinfolk. And, and so I ordered Kinfolk straight from the website. It comes to my house and the box, the box that the magazine comes in says Hemlock printers on it. (laughs) And so I had no idea. So I know who these people were, but I just reached out to them and that is how we got our connection to this printer in Canada called mm-hmm. Hemlock Printers. And um, we just uh, love their work. Um, the, you know, the person that we work with there, Brad, is just a really awesome guy who's been been with us from day one. And um, yeah, he, he was really helpful and instrumental to kind of showing us, um, you know, all the different options that we wanted to go with. Uh, all of the different, uh, you know, binding methods and things like that, that we could choose from yeah. to um, make the product as beautiful as we wanted it. And so um, we kind of used to that as base. I mean, in terms of the materials that we use, we uh, chose to use a um, uncoated paper. It's, uh, it's somewhere between 70 to 80 pounds, just depending on text, uh, depending on what the, pro- what the, um, page count is. Yep. Uh, we decided to go with uncoated. I think it's just, we really like that feel like it's a very tactile feel. Yeah. I think we really like how images print on uncoated paper. Um, it just, you know, I think, uh, glossy like photos definitely have their place. Um, it's just mm-hmm. that I think that uncoated uh, is having a moment right now. And yeah. I think it is having a great, like, and for great reasons. <laughs> well, I think so. un- uncoated paper, I mean, because of 
the the flexibility that it has in terms of textures, in terms of colors, in terms yeah. of recyclability. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you can go with uncoated paper. And all of them, as soon as you're out of that like entry level uncoated paper where it's just kind of cheap and whatever, yeah. as soon as you're just out of that, they all become very beautiful. Yeah. Like, they just mm-hmm. feel nice. They smell nice. There's this freshness, almost this down to earth, this natural vibe to them all. And earlier when I was talking about a brand alignment with something, like I couldn't imagine something like the Bible or text built around the Bible or a project built around the Bible to be on some high gloss paper. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very different. Yeah. Cause it it would be a little too like magazine-y, which I I don't think we were going for. We're like, it's an art book at the end of the day. We want you to be looking at the art of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. Uncoated paper for the interior, for the, um, for the cover paper, we're using a 15 point cover paper with a soft touch lamination. Yep. Soft touch is just, so (laughs) the joke, yeah, it's beautiful. And it almost has like a, you know, it feels really nice. And then you don't want to touch it too much because it's like, you know, and I think that is something that we also want to achieve. You know, you're talking a lot about like how the print aligns with the brand. Um, For us, it's like, you know, the Bible is this like precious thing. And even though we are, you know, part of uh, Alabaster's brand and product is that we're kind of altering where you place the Bible in your home, right? You're, you're kind of moving it from, um, you know, the bookshelf to the coffee table, but it's also like, we wanted to maintain, maintain that like almost precious feeling that people have towards their Bible. Mm-hmm. And to do that, the soft touch makes it feel like almost untouchable or like some of the funniest stories we've had is like, when uh, people show their alabaster Bibles, they have to like wash their hands before they <laughs> yeah. touch it because they don't want to smear it in anyway. Or use gloves. You know, like things like yeah. that, which I think is awesome and part of the magic that, uh, yeah, we were hoping to achieve. Totally. And even just hearing a little bit about that experience, I think I told you this in our email back and forth, but when I was a kid, I had a comic book Bible. Mm. And it was, I, it was on glossy paper. It was this like glossy laminated outside. And as a kid, it just, it didn't have like a, a zest to it. My parents bought it for me, but nothing about it. And I remember this as a kid, nothing about it encouraged me to use it or made me want to, to access that because there was just nothing special about that interaction with it. Mm-hmm. And then I did a lot of, um, oh, why is the name forgetting your athletes in action? That's what it is. You guys familiar with athletes in action? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I did basketball, baseball, soccer, like all athletes in action. So I had like 15 of those little red new Testament Bibles that they hand out. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And again, yep. thin paper kind of like cheaply bound and there's nothing special about it. <laughs> but I saw an alabaster magazine in a local store here where I live. <laughs> and I just went, what the heck is this thing? Because it, you know, I'm familiar with Bibles and names and and books of the Bible and things like that. So reading it, I was like, that's a book of the Bible, but that was just beautiful. Like what is that thing? So what you've created, both from a tactile standpoint and a visual standpoint, before you're even interacting with it, is just this, like exactly mission accomplished. It's a piece of art. It's this art book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how many of these things are you printing and, and are out there in the world? Like, are they, are they just all over the place now? 
Yeah, the gosh, the first print run we did. I don't know if you remember, Brian. I want so the first print run we did was the Gospels, and I feel like we maybe did like one thousand or two thousand each. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Sounds about right. Just enough okay. to get it to that other type of printing, not to the to, to offset. Yeah, to offset. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right on the curve where you leap from digital to offset. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that is like a very noticeable difference to us. Um, and then. Um, Right. So we, and then uh, over the years, we've continued to be able to grow our unit counts, um, you know, per, per print. So I think, you know, by year two or three, we're probably doing 5,000 units uh, each print run. Yep. Right now we're doing about an average of 10,000 per print awesome. run. Um, and uh, we have currently done 13 books. Uh, obviously, uh, there's 66 books in the Bible, so there's a long way to go. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of kind of our our um, process so far. In terms of like where we are, Brian, you want to kind of share? Yeah, so um, we're all over the United States. Um, we've worked with a distributor, the Canadian Bible Society in Canada. Um, we have some in Australia, some in the UK. Um, it just this year has been just a little hard in just terms of shipping is just a lot more expensive these days internationally. Um, uh, and so uh, we re- also recently uh, launched an office in Hong Kong um, to do foreign translations. So wow. um, we have recently just released a uh, traditional Chinese version of the Psalms and of Proverbs. And our hope is to to continue to, to grow that and to see what other um, yeah, languages that we can do with the Bible as well. That's awesome. So not only are you creating the Bible in such a beautiful art format, but you're giving access to that format in multiple languages to multiple countries, bringing just increasing the accessibility to it. And the likelihood that, like you mentioned earlier on, you know, you have a regular Bible, like the stereotypical Bible beside a few of your art books, like 99% of the time art book wins <laughs> Yeah, so by spreading the availability of that through location and, and language, just increasing Bible consumption. Yeah. I would think like that's the like mission accomplished gentlemen. Yeah. And I mean, again, or I'd want to go back to like that, that point I made earlier about um, we, what we've noticed is we've moved. Yeah. Where the Bible is located in a person's home. Yes. All right. So, you know, usually if it's just a regular old Bible, you might put it on your bookshelf and then take it down whenever you um, want to read it. Uh, But people are placing alabaster Bibles on their coffee tables. And I think What's been really interesting to us is how that just changes the, the conversations that people have, um, changes the, the way that people talk about spir- spirituality and faith. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we never set out to like, we're not a missions organization. We're not like, we're not a church. We are business. <laughs> um, and so uh, we, we try to make that very clear. But, um, but we love the conversations that we've heard about and, and that customers tell us about. Um, just how, how, as, um, you know, as, as the books have moved to the coffee table, what kind of conversations and stories come out of that? Mm -hmm. I think I'll add to that. I think what's been really important for us is 
regardless of people's religious background, that they can pick up our books and say, wow, this is a really excellently made product. And I think your story of your, like you first seeing our Bibles, our stories that we love to hear. Uh, And I love that we are part of a a podcast like this. We're talking about the nuances of like craftsmanship and paper because those aren't things that we did lightly. They were really thoughtful about it. Yes. Um, the building of the making of the Bible um, and all the sort of minute decisions were really, really important for us to create an excellent product. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I like that word that you used craftsmanship. And I just sort of drew this parallel to what you, something you had shared earlier that you enjoy the packaging and the experience with something. And somebody in your office got a MacBook the other day and you were admiring the packaging of that you've created like the apple packaging equivalent of the bible (laughs) it's it's what you've created that's 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 very those are very kind words thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) to be compared to steve jobs at apple is very kind words (laughs) um i want to get a little bit into just sort of the nitty-gritty design stuff with this now so you create this kickstarter campaign I get the impression that neither of you are graphic designers and and doing the layout and design of this piece yourselves, are you? I had some graphic design work, but it wasn't a major in my life. Um, Brian? Me neither, yeah. I mean, I I grew up doing photography, um, but in terms of like true layout design, no. I mean, obviously we dabble in it. We're creative people, but... We um, do have a t- design team that also worked on the project. Yeah, so I think when we initially started, I had tried to do it, and there was just this point where I was like, Brian, like, I can do this, but I'm really not great at it. Yeah. And I think we need to bring someone on the team that specializes in layout design to actually help us. And so, um, yeah, now we just have people that have helped us with that. Okay, let me ask you this then. How do you guys art direct the Bible? I think um, that's a great question. Well, again, our process, I think, uh, first of all, it's building a good team. Yeah, 100%. Second, it's about setting a collaborative environment. Um, And uh, three, it's about, uh, I think, everyone just coming together to... um, be aligned on uh, the story and the theme that we're trying to accomplish in each book. Mm-hmm. So like um, basically our process today is we have a, a team of um, theologians who kind of, you know, cause it, we're not, we're not theology experts. So we uh, have people that help us, um, you know, g- garner themes and um, maybe repetitive themes, repetitive um actions that happen within each book of the Bible um, Mm -hmm. that helps inform uh, our uh, kind of creative process. And then after that, we um, come up with usually like a color story or, uh, you know, a handful of images that we take in house that then um, become the basis for the rest of the layout and the uh, images that we create for the book. Um, And then yeah, from there we we execute, and so the whole process probably t- we like to take our time with it. So the whole mm-hmm. process 
probably takes uh, two to three months and then obviously another month to um, finish the printing process. We have a very collaborative approach. So even though I would say I have like the least touch in product these days, um, we have different, uh, I think they're like, we call them vertical slices where uh, we can give each other feedback. And so one of the product managers would uh, show sort of like, here's like the first third of the book that we've designed so far. Here's the color story. Here is Mm -hmm. the themes that we're trying to portray. Um, Here's some of the photos and why we chose some of that. Um, Please let me know your feedback. So we would go around and we would share like, what's one thing that we don't like as what's what's another thing that we really like. And so Mm -hmm. they take that and they're able to apply that to the second round. And so it's, we, I think, do like three rounds on average, um, but it's a very collaborative approach. So even the person working in operations and finance likes helps and gives feedback to, to our books. Yeah, that's awesome. So as part of that collaborative process, then does that still happen when you guys are ready to go to print? Are you, what's your involvement in the proofing of a project before they hit print? Are you there for press checks or like, tell me a little bit about the production process and your involvement with that. Yeah. Once, uh, I mean, once the, um, the project is complete and uh, we, you know, we have everything linked up correctly. We package the files um, depending. Uh, uh, usually we are able to just package up those InDesign files and send yeah. them to Henlock and they'll just do it from there. We, we haven't done uh, press checks in person. Um, they usually will send us uh, uh, Indigo proofs that we, they just ship to us and we, we press check that way. Um yeah, from I don't know why. Well, because of COVID, we haven't been able to ever to go to the factory, but I'm sure that's something we would love to do at some point. Awesome. But yeah. Um, yeah, that is the process that we go through right now. I think the other process that has been a learning curve for us is just the proofreading process. <laughs> um, and so uh, before we would just sit around a large table with the proof there and would sign off and it would just, it would go through multiple eyes. Um, checking everything from the photography to making sure that every single word is there and accurately. And um, that was hard in the United States. We we still work from home. And uh, to this year, uh, trying to prove a book is very hard <laughs> in that sort of environment and space. So, so now we do, gosh, I think it's like four to five people print their own copy. They read it, make sure everything is there. They sign off of it. They get shipped over to one person. That person copes through all the different five proofs and makes those edits. Yeah. Wow. So you, um, in that uh, proofing process, you mentioned that you were packaging them up from InDesign um, and then you're going through this, you have four or five different people reading it and reviewing it. Have you ever produced an issue, printed it, got it back and then saw a typo? Yes. Of course. <laughs> Perfect. Because it happens and it's okay. It's like, it's real. Yeah, it happens. Um, I mean, our very first project, we uh, were printing the book of Mark and Something happened where, um, like, base. Uh, I think I didn't even know what preflight was back then. So, like, I, I was 
I now I would have pre-flight to make sure that all the font was there, but there was a font that was being used in the file that didn't actually show up anywhere like visibly. And so I think what happened was when we packaged up those files to Hemlock, uh, something happened in their process where that when they went to like change the, um, the, uh, the, the, the font to match everything, Mm -hmm. some of the lines got cut off. And so things got overset and things like that. And so there ended up being like three or four pages where there was just lines missing from the Bible. Bible. <laughs> oh, so, no. so, so that was the very first issue that you produced? That was our very first issue that we produced. So that actually we, yeah, we, um, we uh, had to reprint. I mean, it was a, it was a big learning experience for us. We basically had to reach out to all of our customers and say, you know, we were just honest, like this was our first time. Hey, we made this mistake. And, um, uh, ended up shipping new books of Mark to all of those customers. So I want to also part of this show is I want to give designers out there who want to get into print, want to do print. I want them to sort of just approach print with a realistic thought process of that. This is production. There's costs involved. Mistake happen. Mistakes happen. This isn't a cheap process. It's a beautiful one and it's an important one, but it's not cheap. So are you able to share some of the costs for these? Like what did the first issue cost you to print? What was the reprint cost on that sort of thing? Yeah, our costs right now range anywhere between, you know, uh, 50,000 to like a hundred thousand dollars. And so this is, I mean, it's a lot of money up front. And so, I mean, that is some of, that is the reason that we uh, went through Kickstarter in the first place. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you know, we needed that basically upfront cash to be able to afford to print these books the way we wanted. Yeah. And just to sort of put that dollar amount into context, you're talking about creating, you know, five to 10,000 books that have beautiful paper, beautiful finishing, soft touch laminating, and hundreds of pages inside. That's correct. Yeah. Right. So this is not like a very expensive postcard. This is, no. a, this is a product. This, this is, is a product. A, yes. A product. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very involved. Um, I mean, I would say anyone who's interested in getting a print, it's a labor of love. Like you get into it because you love it and yeah. you love, uh, you love the finished product. And I mean, I think anyone, like anyone in the world, should make something physical. Like it doesn't have to be print, I think, but I think it's a very good exercise for anyone to make something physical yep. and send it out into the world. I think that whole process, whatever it is, is a very um, rewarding process and you're going to learn a lot. I completely agree, Brian. And what what you're creating, if you just created this as an iPad booklet or magazine that people can swipe through on their iPad. Will people be seeing it, interacting with it, consuming it as well or as much as they would with it sitting there on their coffee table and everybody who walks into that house will see it and comment on it and interact with it for years and years. Like creating what you've created in print is creating longevity Mm -hmm. of that, of that physical product. 
Exactly. I mean, we've had a lot of um, people ask us if we were ever going to create eBooks of our Bibles. And from day one, it was like, we want to create something physical. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're very uh, attracted to the art world and, you know, it's all about the art object. It's about a physical object that you're interacting with yes. and it just totally changes the relationship and how you interact with that thing. And so, um, yeah, the, the a physical printed book, I think, was always at the forefront of our minds as we began Alabaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, to go back to your question about like the cost of it too, I think um, you know we're still a, we're still a small business, we're still a startup, and so one thing that we constantly look at is our our statement of cash flow and the cash flow in the business. Um, so even though we don't do Kickstarters, we still have pre-sales because I think that that helps us with our cash. Yep. Um, printing is just really expensive. Um, also, as you think about just sort of the ebbs and flows of the season and of sales, like a lot of people like to purchase our product for Christmas. And so some things that we need to think about is do we have enough inventory to last us through the holiday season? Mm-hmm. What is the cash that is needed up front in order to make that happen? Uh, I mean, there were months where, uh, I mean, year, uh, the past two years were October and November, we were just always hard months on ca- like hard months where cash was just low and we just had to, you know, eat basic food <laughs> or like make hard <laughs> decisions <laughs> during that time. Uh, or even, you know, I think Brian and I, we forgoed our salary for, for a month, right? Cause, because yeah. we wanted to make sure that we had enough to not just pay our employees, but have the inventory that was necessary for the holiday season. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And in those months, based on the timing of production and the timing of gift season and, and purchases and getting it out, like you're thinking two to three months ahead of time mm-hmm. in order to get things in people's hands. Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, you're right. In that September, October area, you're shelling out a lot of dough, getting things printed, gearing up for the holiday season. Yeah, exactly. So we've learned and we're ready. We're ready this holiday season. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. The Brian's are ready. Um, Anything else that you guys feel that you want to share? So we've got an audience of graphic designers who all are passionate and love print and packaging and tangible objects. And you are creating one of those things very beautifully. Anything else you want to share with them or encourage them to do when approaching design, when approaching print? Um, I would say, uh, I guess a few things. One is uh, surround yourself with a team. I think, uh, especially in design, like it's a lot more fun in a collaborative process. Yes. Um, it, it is potentially more difficult because you have to, you know, deal with potential conflict and disagreements. But I think ultimately the end end product is always better because you're collaborating with other people. Yeah. Two, I would say just continue to develop your uh, ways of seeing the world. Um, you can only design as good as you, you know, you've, as you see the other things out there in the world. So, you know, do a lot of product research, go outside, look at nature, like all those things matter in, how you um, you choose to um, design and create. And then again, three is just uh, printing is a labor of love. Like I think uh, that if you want to get into print, I think that should be your 
um, first and foremost thing that you're thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. I want to do this because I'm passionate about it and because I want to create a beautiful product. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, yeah, if you uh, are driven by that, I think you should have no problem getting into the print world. Awesome. I, I would add two things. Um, and one thing is something that you you mentioned briefly about, you know, there being mistakes in things that you print and that's okay. That happens. Um, I think a major lesson for me throughout the years is just uh, to continuously improve um, that it's almost rare that something will be perfect. Um, yep. But what's something that you can't control is your continuous improvement. And so as we're building new products, as we're having multiple iterations of it, mm-hmm. our hope is that, it will just keep getting better and better that will continuously improve. And I think the second piece is just knowing who your customer is. Um, we just, we did a lot of research on uh, not just like price point, but um, who would actually purchase this product. Um, now we know a little bit more detail of like who that person is, what their hobbies are, what other brands do they shop at? How do they shop? I think the more that you can understand your customer too, the, the better that you can actually serve your customer. Yes. Um, and I think whenever you're producing a product in the world, it, it really comes down to your customer. Um, and uh, for us, like we have a value of loving our customer well. And so uh, I think that's just something that we, we, we always think about when we, when we make our products. Beautiful. Yeah, man, those are all very good points. And I love the one as well about um, just if, if you want to do print, do it for the passion and, and do it um, because you want to create tangible objects for either yourself or for your customer as a designer um, and to put out into the world to serve a specific customer, a specific audience. And mm-hmm. uh, I just love that. Um, so, gentlemen, we have what's called the ask the audience question. Um, this is something where we create this. We put it out on Instagram the day that your episode goes up. And it's your opportunity to ask a group of graphic designers, um, illustrators, and people who love print a question. Any question, it could be design-related, it could be print-related, whatever you want. But you get a chance to get their feedback, and we sort of foster a little community in the comments there. That's good. Got <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, uh, I, I mean, sort of off of what Brian was saying, I think my question is what, what are the things that inspire you right now? Um, I mean, I'm always just curious to know, like, what are people listening to? What are people reading? What are people watching? Um, I, I think sometimes I can just get my head into the business and not really think sort of outside my context. And so I would love to know what is inspiring you. I love that. I love that question. Gentlemen, you have reached the end of the Print Design Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Uh, This has been awesome hearing about the behind the scenes of this project that I saw on store shelves and interacted (laughs) with and enjoyed before I even knew Alabaster, before I met you guys. So this has been awesome hearing behind the scenes and the creation of this beautiful printed project. So thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening here. You guys have to check out these Bibles. We're posting some pictures on our Instagram, 
but if you really want to get these, and I know you do, head over to alabasterco.com to see them there. You can also see them in some sort of high-end locations or, or bookstores around in your area. Just check in there. And I will also put a link to the website where you can find them in the description of this episode. So check that out because they are beautiful. And Christmas is coming, y'all. Don't miss this opportunity. Alabaster Bibles, they are beautiful. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you later.